0: Great time! Thank you, Dave. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good, good. Three weeks till Christmas. Got the shopping done yet? Not so much, huh? Me either. I, uh, I love the first Sunday in December um, because we are all sort of on the same page now, aren't we? Like you've got your right after Halloween, November 1st, the tree is up, people. You got your... Right after Thanksgiving, people, which is, I think, generally the norm, and then you've got your not-till-December, people, but it's December 4th now, we're all on the same page. So, really good Sunday to be here with you all. Um, If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Matthew chapter 1 today, that's where we'll sit for most of our time. As you're turning there, one of the things that I love so much about the Gospel is that it truly is... What the word gospel means, it is good news. And think about your reaction when you hear good news. Now, you may not know for sure if that good news that you just heard is true or not, but you hope that that news is true. So if I heard that maple syrup and pancakes were now good for my health, I would be excited to go and find out whether or not that's true right it doesn't mean that it is true in this case it certainly isn't true but I would hope that it was true and and I think that it ought to be that way with the gospel right that that the choice is not to think about whether or not this is good news the choice ought to be whether you can believe and accept this good news and I think often in our culture today Uh, a lot of people don't even see the gospel as good news. It's either regular news or even worse than that, it's be good news, as I like to say. Like we think of God as someone who's just sitting and wagging his finger at us, making sure we are doing the right things and scolding us when we don't. And we don't truly see that Jesus is good news. Now, as we go forward today, I want us to keep in mind that it was impossible in the time period of Jesus to just think he was regular news, that this was such shocking news that you had to do something with it. You said, this, this sounds like really good news, and you may come out of it saying, gosh, you know, I just don't know if I can get there. I mean, that sounds good. It may even sound too good to be true, so I'm not sure if I can get there. But the reality is, it's not just news. It is good, staggering news. So today, we're going to look at a few people who were affected by this good news of Jesus really early on in the Nativity story. And today we're going to focus on Joseph. Uh, He's talked about a lot less often than Mary. And I think it's uh, largely because he's not there, or at least we don't see that he's there at the time of Jesus' ministry. We do see Mary there, but we don't see Joseph. It could be that he has already deceased by this time. Or it could be that he's been separated from Mary or out of the picture. But we don't see him during the ministry of Jesus But he shows us what it is to be a man of God in the nativity story. Now, think for a second. If you were to entrust the person that you care about most to somebody else, I want you to think about what would be the characteristics that you would hope that somebody else had in order to take care of that person that you cared about. I think... For God, there's one main reason why he chooses Joseph. And we're going to look at that today. There's one reason why God would say, uh, this person right here, I can entrust my child, Jesus, to. So if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start here in verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce, d- divorce her quietly. So, the Jewish marriage process had essentially three steps. There was the betrothal, which isn't like engagement like we think of today. It's not just an agreement that one day we'll be married. It was, in fact, that you were married at that moment. You just didn't live together quite yet. And then the second process was the preparation of the wedding feast. And I've seen some like good wedding parties and things like that, but it's nothing like they used to have. They used to have sometimes seven days worth of partying. So it would take a whole year to prepare this wedding feast. And at the wedding feast, this was the third step. You'd have the consummation of the marriage. So then they would be together. But during that time, between betrothal and consummation of the marriage, the men would go and they would start a trade. And they would build the house that the couple would live in after consummation. Now, ladies, you'd better hope... That your husband had some construction skills, right? <laughs> uh, I think, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm with you, yeah. I think Morgan and I would have started in a tent probably at that point. But, um, but So they'd work on that, and then the, the woman would work on the wedding feast. Um, but during that time, Joseph finds out that Mary is already pregnant. So when he finds out, he's got essentially three options. One, he can divorce her and do it publicly, and she would be subject to not only disgrace, but stoning, essentially, is what it would probably lead to. So, Mary would be stoned, and consequently, the baby would be stoned as well. But this would make Joseph look like a man of God. I mean, it would make him look like he cares. About justice, He cares about God's laws and he's going to make her pay. That's one option. The second option he has is to divorce her quietly. Now, this was a difficult thing for him to do in that time because it would cause himself shame. His reputation would be harmed if he chooses to take this option. Or three, he could stay with Mary... And the both of them would essentially have to withdraw from Jewish culture altogether because both of their lives would be ruined. Their reputations would certainly be ruined. And he would be essentially admitting what isn't true, that, that he broke the marriage covenant at this time, that, that he was with her at a time when he wasn't supposed to be, or that he was raising an illegitimate Child, which in this culture at this time was very much frowned upon. So he does what he thinks is the most noble, godly thing to do, which is to uh, to expose her sin, essentially, or at least not be okay with the fact that he thinks that she has sinned, and to offer her grace despite what he thinks is her sin. It's this grace and truth working and flowing together. It is a foreshadowing of Jesus to come. But then this happens here in verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now men, put yourself in this situation in this moment in time, okay? It was common that on the eighth day after the birth of the child that the men would get to name the child, but Joseph does not get to do that here. If he listens to the angel, he's putting any hopes of a career in Jewish culture down the drain because very few people are going to believe their story. Their friends are probably not going to be their friends anymore because they're going to think they're caught in sin and now lying about it. Their family will probably disown them because of their sin. And it is not the path that he ever thought he ever would want to take. This is needing to place a lot of confidence in God's plan for his life. And you might say, well, yeah, but if, if I heard directly a message directly from God, then I would obey that. And that would be so much better than anything that I could have ever planned, and I would just say yes. But I was thinking about that this week, and I thought, is that really true? Because there have been things in my life where I already know that God wants me to do these things, and yet I continue not to do them. So for years, there have been relationships in my life that I knew I needed to address, but I didn't address it for years. There were phone calls I know I needed to make to ask for forgiveness. I knew that God wanted me to do that, and yet I still didn't do that for some time. I don't think this decision is so easy for Joseph. Sure, you've heard a message from God but it's hard to humble yourself and obey that message, is it not? But if he will humble himself and he'll be obedient and he'll trust God, then he'll get to be a part of something that he could have never imagined, that could have been so much better than he could have ever imagined. And that's true for us here this morning, too. That if we will take the step of obedience to make that phone call, to ask for forgiveness. Whatever the case may be that we know that God is calling us to today, we'll get to be a part of something that we could have never imagined. We'll get to be a part of relationships being reconciled. We'll get to be a part of stepping out in courage and faith and seeing God use that for good in our lives. Verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, this is a prophecy that can be found in Isaiah seven fourteen, Verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he, give, he gave him the name Jesus. So this is it right here. Y'all, Joseph obeyed God. Very simply. In fact, in the next chapter, Matthew 2, God will give him a message again and say, I need you to flee to Egypt. And, and what does Joseph say? He says, okay, you got it. I'll go. And then a little bit later on, God will say, Joseph, I need you to go back to Israel. And, and Joseph says, okay, okay, God, I'll go back. And, you know, I think obedience isn't a popular thing today, but I would contend that obedience to God is the most important thing we can do in any relationship. To obey God is the most important thing that we can do. And and God entrusted his own son to somebody that he knew would obey him. So he didn't go to the largest city or find the most charismatic father for him or the funniest or the richest or anything. He wanted somebody who would obey God. God. Do we hold obedience in that high of a regard here this morning? It was Joseph's obedience that God used. And if we are the kind of people who are willing to obey God, perhaps we also become the kind of people that God wants to give more responsibility to. Romans 1, 5 says this. Through him... We received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. So how do we do that here today? How do we become a kind of people who are marked by obedience? It's just that from Romans 1.5. It is the obedience that comes from where? Faith. Now, this is so cool how God does this. I had no idea preparing this week that this would connect so well to last week. I had no idea. But we talked last week about how um, there are things that we know to be true that don't always match up with where we place our faith or our confidence, right? And that we can match those things through dwelling in gratitude. Well, when it talks about the obedience that comes from faith, then we must allow our obedience to come from our faith, from the place that we our confidence and I was thinking about this there there are two reasons why we obey one is from faith the way it should be but then there's also two that we're fighting for we think we've got to strive for some sort of position in front of God so the question we have to ask ourselves this morning is are we obeying from a position of approval or are we obeying for a position of approval And if it's for a position of approval, we've got to go all the way back and and look at what we know to be true. That that it is a free gift that we don't earn. We go back to the truth of the gospel. We go back to the character of God. We take a step back and we evaluate, why am I obeying? Because, y'all, if we don't get the factual part right, if we don't get the theology right, then we can't successfully obey or at least obey with the right Motives. Um, about four years ago, I I had my uh, I would say probably biggest regret uh, teaching from stage. I said something that I really regret. I said um, that in times of distress, theology comes up just a bit short. And what I was trying to say in that moment was that being there and being with somebody is the most important. to be able to empathize and be present but the reality is I just missed the mark I mean I just missed it because what we think about God is so important that what we know to be true about God is so important because that guides everything else that guides our gratitude our faith and then our obedience it is The theology that allows in the book of Genesis for Joseph to say, Hey guys, you meant this thing for evil, but God is using it for good. That theology is what allows him to forgive his brothers. It is the theology of the prophets that says, Look, you guys may be going this direction, but guys, we need to go this direction. It's the theology of David that looks at the giant and says, who is this guy to oppose the Lord's army? And it's the theology of Paul that allows him to say, okay, you're going to put me in jail? Okay, fine, I'll just write letters about Jesus. You're going to kill me? Fine, to die is gain. Oh, you're going to keep me alive? Okay, that's fruitful labor for me. There was nothing you could do with him. Why? It started with what he knew foundationally to be true about Jesus. Y'all, our theology becomes our basis for obedience. Romans 1 5, the obedience that comes from faith. Faith in what? Faith in what we know to be true. I say all this to say if we are going to obey God, it's got to be from a place of approval, not from trying to gain approval. That we know that we've already gotten the approval of the Father through the Son. So we're free to obey. We're free to obey. Um, This week, I'd love, I just kind of got through like four steps that I think would be really good for us. Number one, uh, we must understand the truth of who God is and what the gospel is, that's foundational. We've got to understand that. We've got to stay there. And then two, we dwell in it and we show gratitude for those truths like we talked about last week. And then three, what ends up happening is our faith or our confidence in him grows and matches what we know to be true. Remember how we talked about last week? Gratitude allows us. It's the pathway of taking what we know to be true and making it become the place where we put our faith or our confidence. And then four, we begin to obey From a place of faith, not from trying to obtain a position that's already been given to us. Now, I do want to highlight one thing. It's we don't obey when we connect the dots necessarily. We don't have to connect the dots to why we're obeying, but we obey always from a place of knowing the character of God and knowing the truth of the gospel. We simply cannot Obey God without a basis of faith stemming from the truth of who God is. Now for Joseph, this is a man who was obedient to God. This is a man who knew the character of God, had such a strong faith that he said yes to whatever it was that God asked him to do. Where today do we need to allow our faith to grow and step into obedience? Maybe we know that God wants us to take that step of reconciliation, but we feel like it's just a little bit too vulnerable. It's just going to cost me too much. It's stepping too much out in faith. Y'all, I encourage us, take that step of faith here today. Take that step of obedience through faith. Let's be like Joseph and just obey what God has for us. Or maybe we've been afraid to say no to something because we just feel like, you know, this person may be upset with me or whatever. But we know that there are things that are most important in our lives that we're neglecting because we're doing all these different things. Let us have the courage to obey and just say no to those things. Or maybe we've been afraid to take that next step of faith because, um, you know, we're just comfortable. We're just comfortable here. So we feel like, uh, I can't take that step. I can't take that step. We've got to become the kind of people who just say yes to God and watch what he does with that. Y'all, today is a great day to take next steps into faith and into obedience and watch what he does with that obedience. Um, here in a little bit, uh, in just a few minutes, we're going to worship. And I'd love for you, if you I'll be at the front here um, this morning, and if you need to talk through something and just pray through something, man, I would love to spend some time in prayer with you. Maybe there are things you're not ready to take that next step of obedience, and you just need prayer for, for the Holy Spirit to actually start to invade your heart, to show you one more time how good He is and how much He is worth those steps of faith. Y'all, I'd love to talk with you about that this morning. Now, in closing, I, I want you to imagine here for a second what Mary and Joseph went through. Especially these first nine months. All the things that they must have gone through. I mean, nine months of people likely spitting in their faces, maybe literally, likely seeing the end of a lot of their relationships, likely learning way too young how difficult and mean the world can be. And I also want you to think about them seeing that baby in the manger. When Jesus comes, and they see this good news that is available to all people. And they say, yeah, this was worth it. That Jesus is worth it. And I want that truth to reign in our minds as we go here today, that no matter what it is that God is asking you to do next, I want you to remember, Jesus is worth it. That when there are plans that change, that Joseph thought, you know what, I have obeyed God my whole life. I mean, all I've ever done is just try to be faithful to God, and yet all these things are happening, if if I go this direction, if I just say yes to God one more time, then then the rug is going to feel like it's just pulled out from under me. And yet, what does he do? He still says yes. And when he sees this baby in the manger, he says, yeah, it's it's worth it. That to say yes to God means I'm changing all my plans, but yet it's going to be worth it. And as we go here today, I want you to remember, no matter what God's asking from you, Remember, Jesus is so worth it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the examples that you give us. I mean, the, the last real glimpse of, of Jesus before Jesus is through Joseph. Just the, the grace and the truth and just the, the, the obedience to you, Father. And, uh, and I pray that you'll help to impart in us a spirit that just desires to say, yes to you that we may not have all the details and and we also know that we're not obeying you for any position that we could never strive enough for that position that it's a free gift that's been given through your son and and so now that allows us freely to just say God you've already given us everything so now I'll just say yes to whatever it is that you have in mind next father I pray that you'll create in us a church that just says says yes Father, we know that you have plans over our lives. We know you have plans for this community. I pray that you'll make those clear to us today. And Holy Spirit, give us the courage to just say yes. We love you a lot. In Jesus' name, amen.